welcome to Housewives and Me, a podcast about why we love the real housewives. I'm your host, Connor Bean, and thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited to bring you a brand new episode. Thank you for all the love on the last couple of episodes. They have featured great interviews, and whatever way the timing has worked out, we've had two deep dives into some breaking housewife stories. So that has been very fun to go through as well. This week's guest is something of a a housewives historian, an internet legend, someone who really has, if you're, well, I guess maybe this is just my experience of the internet, but I feel like he has shaped so much of my experience of the internet and he is talented, creative, funny, and a podcaster as well. Of course, it is the one and only T. Kyle. We got into so much in this interview from how he got into gift making, content making, and kind of hilarious stuff based around the housewives, including a rather legendary ASMR video which if you've seen, you'll know what I'm referring to. And of course, his time spent working on Watch What Happens Live, which brought him into very close contact with a lot of our favourite Real Housewives. There's a story in this episode about two Real Housewives, meaning a Hollywood A-lister, that just, I could picture it in my mind as we discussed. So I hope you enjoy it as well. So without any further ado, let's get straight into it. Here is the one and only T. Kyle on Housewives and Me. My guest today is the co-host of It's Britney Bitch podcast and another amazing podcast that I am fully obsessed with, Legends Only, which is a weekly deep dive into all manners of interesting pop cultural phenomenon. He is also, of course, a bit of an internet icon, in my opinion, and an online legend who has worked with the likes of Watch What Happens Live, The Tonight Show, American Idol, making content, gifts, all that good stuff. And if you're a Housewives fan, you have seen, heard, lived for his stuff online and probably have about 100 of his gifts saved on your phone. I'm very excited to welcome T. Kyle to Housewives and Me. Hello. Hello. I was about to do a Legends Only intro where we go, hello. And I was like, no, wait, that's a totally <laughs> different podcast. Your co-host Brad is not here today, but we are we are discussing Legends of a Different Ilk, I suppose. We are... The legends that Brad does not know about. I have so much I want to ask you about your like sort of journey with the shows and your kind of creative side connecting with Housewives. But I do want to just ask you, how did you get into the shows in the first place? Well, I mean, my journey goes all the way back to the days of MTV VH1. I realized it actually. So we did a deep dive into Ashley Simpson last week or recently, whenever you're listening to this now. And I went back and I watched the Ashley Simpson show and I was like, you know what? I was like, my journey with reality TV started a lot earlier than I think I even knew. Because I always say like VH1 and The Simple Life. But it was even before that with MTV when they had Diary and making the video, the Ashley Simpson show, like all of those early shows were reality tv and i didn't even think of it until i went back and i watched and i was like oh this was all this was like early reality shows and like real world um so my journey started with mtv and then moved its way into vh1 that sort of celeb reality era which was so iconic right like tiffany pollard's peak time kind of thing yeah um, and all of those like game show reality show things. And then, yeah, I watched early American Idol and then it moved its way to Bravo when I loved Project Run- uh, Project Runway and the Kathy Griffin show. And then I got into Housewives when they started Jersey. Not my first entry into Bravo as a brand because I like was watching Bravo already. But that was my entry into The Real Housewives was season one Jersey. And it's funny. I mean, you joke on Legends Only about being a Jersey girl yourself and loving all things Jersey. Mm-hmm. But also season one of New Jersey, I always say to people, particularly now, because we have people coming to the shows, like even just in the last year who've become obsessed. And I always say, look, however you may feel about later New Jersey, like those first two seasons are iconic. Did that, what was it about Housewives and Housewives in New Jersey that maybe stood out to you or felt different from what we had seen on VH1 and MTV? Because I think I'm like you, I grew up on those shows, but I do think Housewives has a different flavor as well. At that time, 
Jersey Shore was also huge and was obviously this cultural phenomenon. And then there was Housewives of New Jersey. And then there was Jerseylicious, that other show. And it was kind of like this attention on Jersey. And a lot of people were like, that's not Jersey. That's not what we're like. I, on the other hand, am like, no, that's exactly what you're like. That's exactly what the Jersey Shore is like every single summer. I've, you know, I grew up there. That was exactly what it was like. I just, there was something like a personal connection to all of it that I just loved because it was like so many people were hating on it and being like, that's not us. And then so many people were loving it and it just was such good entertainment for me. And yeah, I think that's why I connected so much with that moment in time, like that 2009, 2010 Jersey infusion. So we start with you. You got into Housewives in New Jersey. Did you start dipping into New York and Beverly Hills? Like, did you start watching all of them? You because you were making a lot of content, so I'm guessing you were kind of watching all the shows at one point. Yeah, I, I started Jersey and then Atlanta and New York because uh, people that I were you know in the dorms with, and so I was an RA at the time. They were watching Bravo, so that was like the big thing that we did it was project runway and housewives so it was like you know the early you know kim zolciak getting her wig pulled i remember like being in my friend's dorm room when that episode premiered then i went back into oc and obviously watched you know the premiere of beverly hills which was newer at the time too so then it just kind of made its way through the other cities so you oh my god you were in you saw so many amazing things happen like live i'm so jealous like i i really am um you you started making a lot of great content around the shows and i feel like even now we can say things like so and so is a content creator they make online content but you were making gifs and funny video edits and mashups both of audio and video around housewives i think even before a lot of people had actual terminology for that stuff how did you get into it and what was the Bravo fandom like to make stuff for? Yeah, it's wild because my website that I started, Reality TV Gifts, is going on soon to be 10 years, which makes me oh just feel God. so old. This is before Instagram even allowed video. When I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, wow, this is like, I'm old. So I started out, I, I made gifts and I used them on my, my Mac and I would use them in iMessage. I would send them to people in iMessage. And then I started working. I graduated school in 2010. And I brought my... I <laughs> sounds so weird. I literally saved a folder of gifts like on my Mac, brought them to my work computer, like on a USB drive, put them on my work computer, and then I would message them back and forth with my coworkers on iMessage. And I think this is even before you could text people. Like this is, I'm talking like old school iMessage. Do you remember like the old? Yeah, like it was a desktop like application basically. Oh my God. Yeah, and it wasn't even connected to your cell phone or whatever. It was basically like AIM, I think. So I was messaging people on iMessage and then I was like, shit, well, if I'm making gifts here and then I want to go to my other computer and I want to go to my other computer, is there an easier way to do it? So then I started making them on Tumblr and I started posting them on Tumblr just so that I could go to a .com and just save them and have them all in one spot. And then my coworkers started using it. And then people just started finding it from Tumblr. And I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And then I started tweeting out the, the Tumblr links. And I was completely anonymous at this point. I wasn't on Twitter as myself yet. And it just started to get noticed. And I was like, okay, well, maybe this is a thing. And then it just slowly evolved into a blog and yeah it just went from there that is great it's just funny because i think tech changes so much almost yearly if not every six months so to think that like 10 yeah. years ago or more you were like i just it seems so labor intensive like one computer then the usb then the other one then i message like oh my god yeah god, to think and now you just tap a button and you have every gif ever what were some of the early gifts that you made like what moments and housewives things were you gifting to send to friends or was it even just tiny funny quotes i do know that the moment that kicked off my first ever 
blog post was when Tamara and Gina got into the fight at the pool party mm-hmm. where she's like, here's your fucking letter, bitch. <laughs> that was like the moment that I started the Tumblr. But before that, a lot of it was like the table flip and yeah. moments from Tiffany Pollard and like a lot of Tiffany Pollard gifts that you see on the internet like came from me. And then, yeah, I mean, just like Big Ange was like another huge moment that mm-hmm. I like loved covering on my blog. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of like the wig pull, like kind of the more iconic moments that we always talk about now were the starting points that I had created. That is what it's funny to think like, because Tiffany Pollard is so she's so quint like she's so of the internet to me like i watched the shows when they aired back in the day but there's this second life she had online it's so fascinating to think that you were such a big part of that i mean have you ever met her or talked to her about that i haven't i mean like i kind of love it that it just happened by itself like i didn't really have to push it you know like the content was there the gifts were there and it just evolved on its own which I think is so cool. Um, it's interesting you say that the content kind of found its audience almost naturally because I think now in this era that we're in, algorithms are so hard to, like, to beat and they kind of expect, like all these social platforms want us online constantly and constantly doing content and making it in this way and in that way and the other way. And you mm-hmm. were kind of operating in a time when the internet was a little bit more free-flowing in that regard. What, what do you think it is about the housewives fan base that maybe makes it different to ones that you because you're a pop music fan and you do a podcast about as you guys say the queens of pop so like how does the bravo housewives fandom differ to maybe other online standom kind of worlds that we see well it's definitely a very passionate audience and i think how it's kind of evolved i mean i think yeah i mean it's just it's a passionate audience so i think when i started the tumblr it connected me to people who were also fans of the show and of these moments and it made a community online with people that i never would have met otherwise if that makes sense yeah and then also with the the content in itself, I always said that like gifts to me were always like an emoji language. Like it basically could be another keyboard essentially. So the moments that I would make are moments that are evergreen that someone who isn't a Housewives fan would share or post or tweet or text a friend. So I always try and keep it. Yeah, they're kind of like emojis in a way. I had never thought of that. Like, I actually, that is such a good way of putting it that they're like a kind of communication tool. I never thought of that. I remember there was a period where you, I mean, you've said yourself that you've kind of, you've gone back to reality TV gifts to update it recently, but like you've taken breaks because you have lots of other stuff going on work-wise. But I do remember when you were updating the site, like very regularly when you were like kind of doing that more so than you are now. And I'd be watching episodes of Housewives and I would see things and think, I can see a T-Call gif of this, that, or the other. Did you find yourself watching the shows and mentally taking notes on, that's a gif, that's a gif. Ooh, I could do something with that. Oh, yeah. I have notebooks filled (laughs) with... That's the thing is like, I... when I I, And I don't know why I started doing this, but I I think it's just because I obviously like I have a love of creating and and editing and also, you know, producing now. Um, So when I would watch shows, and, and this goes back... 10 something years, I would write, you know, the show title, the season title, the episode title, and then I would just timestamp everything. Like I would handwrite notes. And then I would use that and I would go back and I'd be like, oh, it's something happened in the news. And I remember I have a timestamp that I wrote down in my notebook. So I would watch the shows as sort of this weird kind of producer eye. And I would just take notes. And then that translated into my blog and then it translated into content creation. That is so, I'm, I feel like those notebooks, they sound legendary to me. Like, I, <laughs> I feel like those notebooks would be like, a, would be like a synopsis of the greatest housewives moments, just flicking through. Oh, I remember it well back in 2012, time code 20, like 22 minutes. I feel like those, those notebooks are going to be worth some money one day. Well, I will say one of my favorite things that I've ever done in my life, that is, is my notebook came in handy So when Big Ange, rest in peace, had her spinoff show, the producers reached out and they were like, you're such a big Big Ange fan and like, you know everything. They're putting together the theme song. Do you have like moments and sound bites? And I was like, hold on one second. Let me get back to you. 
And I went into my notebook and I had dozens of time stamped quotes and they took all of them and they made that song for her spinoff where it's like, I I love diamonds. (laughs) And like, it's fucking iconic. And like, I did not even take a dime to do it. I was like, this is so like, I, this is iconic and I love her so much. Like I will gladly do this. And it's like one of the things that like I look back on that so many people probably don't even know about that just makes that brings me so much joy because I'm like, that is like what my notebook, it, it just sums it up. Like that's what my notebook was about. And to see it come to life in a way that was so funny to me. I just love how they're like, you wouldn't have like two or three months. You're like, oh, oh, hold on a minute. And you just pulled out the notebook, have a dozen. Yeah. <laughs> so iconic. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. You're a producer's dream, not only as a producer yourself, but from another producer. I'm sure they're like, here, he has 16 <laughs> notebooks we can look at. Oh, my God, that is amazing. There's, I mean, I love your gifts, and you've done amazing mashups over the years with, like, different Housewife songs and all that kind of thing and, and video edits. But there's one video, I actually think it came up, so we, I chatted about it with a guest on the show, like, uh, ages ago. And I said, I said to this person, I consider this video to be canon in Housewives world. And that is when you did the iconic... ASMR rendition of the Beverly Hills Amsterdam fight which is one of those videos that I think you've said yourself goes around online so much and because you didn't watermark it people like I will still get sent that now where people are like have you ever seen this I'm like bitch I saw that when it dropped okay <laughs> but how did that come about and like I mean is that something funny to you that you can kind of see that video I'm sure it's annoying as well but like is it funny seeing that video have a, like a new life every few weeks it seems Oh, I love it. I did not expect it to go as big as it did because I chose kind of a niche scene. So what was happening was there was a trend, there was a meme going around on Twitter of people doing ASMR and it started with Jersey Shore and it started with Dance Moms. And I actually, I do think it started with Dance Moms because Dance Moms has also had a second life on TikTok. So then there was... um these ASMR edits and I I don't have the the username off the top of my head so I apologize but it was Dance Moms and someone did the scene where like you remember when Abby's like go ahead eat me bitch and she's like chomp chomp and so <laughs> yeah, someone yeah, did yeah. like someone did ASMR of like that with like the teeth chomping and then <laughs> someone did another edit with Jersey Shore and Dina was wearing these like bangle bracelets and they did like ASMR of the bangle bracelets and I was <laughs> fucking <laughs> crying laughing and so i was like well someone has to, i have someone has to do housewives so i've always said my favorite scene is like the amsterdam fight so i went home from work and i spent the whole day i was just like disconnected and i was throwing cups in my apartment and i was creaking <laughs> chairs and i just like literally i just spent like 12 something hours making this edit and i just posted it then it just you know the meme continued and more people were doing more scenes but yeah i did not expect it to take off the way that it did i thought it was going to be like super niche and only a you know the housewives fans would get it but it took off i mean drag queens have performed it it has been like all over i have a memory of you i don't know if it's you or somebody tagged you in it and i saw it on instagram like maybe a couple years ago like fire at fire island there's like this one bar that has like mm-hmm. um like a screen behind like kind of a uh, like benchy style seating that people use and they were playing your edit and it was like you could just hear the this thing in the couple people were drinking i was like this is a so funny that t calls video is played in gay bars and b that any gay bar would play that like because it's literally people with well you one person whispering i was like this is so fucking funny yeah. The same DJ played it at um, a bar here. He played like a, a dance remix of it one night when we were out. And I was just like, this is this is too much. I did not expect it. Following on from that, I usually like to ask people on the show, particularly people from the States, because their likelihood of having met a housewife is a bit higher. But I usually like to ask people, hey, have you ever had a run-in with a housewife? Maybe like a, a random social media comment or you've met them perchance. But like, aside from the fact that you have worked at Watch What Happens Live, which we'll get to in a second, You've obviously made a lot of content of and featuring various Real Housewives. And I know there's at least one iconic run-in you've had via that. Like, what kind of run-ins have you had with Housewives as a result of your content? Well, prior to working in the space, I i mean, a lot of it was just on Twitter. I'm trying to think because it's like so blurred now at this point. I mean, Luann sent me a cease and desist, which was iconic. Yeah. <laughs> 
But well, it's interesting because like now I think because there's such an oversaturation of housewives meme accounts um, and that's not shade. I'm not trying to like, whatever. I'm just saying it. There's it, they're everywhere. I think when I was first doing it, it was like, th- there was not really a lot of people doing it. So housewives, it was really a hit or miss. They either thought it was funny or they really didn't think it was funny. <laughs> and so I was doing these, these graphic designs. Cause that's like my background. And I was doing shirts cause I was trying to make money to help me literally pay my bills. So I made these shirts And yeah, she sent me a cease and desist for my be cool drawing. And then she started selling the merch. But like, you know, now I look back on it, I think it's so funny. And I think it's iconic because, you know, I was ahead of my time with this merch. And now the housewives are so much more savvy with social media. And so now it's cool to see housewives have a better sense of humor and, you know, now they're making their own merch and they embrace the meme accounts as promo. And then now now they know that they need to be entertaining and it's not a bad thing, I guess, is sort of the good thing that has happened in recent years. Yeah, it's interesting to hear that they um, embrace it now. And you're right. I mean, like there's amazing meme accounts out there now, but it, it is... That's why I think your stuff is so interesting to me because it kind of cut through at a time when there actually wasn't as much of that kind of content. And like it did sort of, I think, show people that there was a meme adjacent audience for Housewives. When the WAN sent you the cease and desist, was it like an email or a formal letter? Like in my head, you have a like printed on like gorgeous paper stock letter from the WAN, but that could be just a a fiction in my head. Oh, no, it was just an email. It wasn't anything like serious okay. yeah <laughs> i'm imagining embossed paper from the desk of luan telesets and it's like cease and desist i had a phone call with i was like i don't know if it's like her lawyer or like something but i had a call with like it was some queen and he was trying to be like we understand that this is a thing but you cannot be profiting off of luan de Lesseps. and i'm like okay well then do you guys want to buy the design because like literally it's iconic and <laughs> It was a mess, but I'm so legendary. You've achieved a lot in your career and your life, but I think being able to say you had a cease and desist from the one is is a, is a great one in and of itself. I take it as a compliment. So obviously, you know, in the digital world, you had Housewives run in, some good, some bad, it sounds like. But then you obviously ended up working at Watch What Happens Live, which is, you know, the talk show tied into all the Bravo shows. So I'm sure many a Bravo celebrity crossed your path in a work context. How did you end up on the show, like working on the show? And I'm guessing you got to meet a lot of the housewives, you know, which must have been surreal. Yeah, I've met pretty much all of them at this point. Obviously not the newer seasons because I haven't been there since like 2019. But yeah, so I was making content and I was tweeting, you know, Andy, I was tweeting the shows. I was making GIFs of Watch What Happens Live actually at that that point when, you know, I see my faves on there and so Mm. i was you know i was watching the show i was making gifts and they invited me to come on they did like this social stunt and you know i did uh work for them and they were like oh well you know how can we like what can we do um and so bravo did compensate me for like work that i was doing as a freelancer which was awesome i think you know really just goes to show that they like care about creators and they also said well we'd like you to be on watch happens live as as part of this as well so i went to the show and when i went they were just so incredibly amazing and nice and a lot of the people that worked there that i would future you know soon be co-workers with they were so excited that i was there and they gave me a gift bag and i met with the producers and they just were awesome and they they had you know, all these conversations with me and they're like, you know, listen, we'll be in touch. So fast forward, three years go by, which I always tell everyone, like, you never know how things are going to shake out when you're a creator online. Not everything's going to happen overnight. So three years go by and I get an email out of nowhere and they're like, hey, what are you up to? Because this job just opened up. We think you'd be a really good fit for it. Do you want to chat? And I was like, okay, cool. So I went in and it was for, you know, to lead the digital team there. It was just perfect timing. And I mean, I was hired within two weeks at that point and it it was out of nowhere. Um, I was freelancing at the time and I was thinking about leaving New York and they literally got me right before I went to go see apartments uh, in a different place. So, oh my God, wow. 
yeah, it just, it, the timing worked out. It, I mean, it still is just like, you know, whatever universe you want to believe in, timing, karma, whatever, I it played out perfectly. And then I'm guessing, you know, like it's kind of the dream job for you as as at the time, the ultimate Bravo fan and this creator. And also it's a job that was perfectly suited to your skill. Like they were, as much as you were excited to work there, I'm sure they were very happy to have you because it was a perfect marriage. But then meeting housewives in that work context, what was that like? Because it's not like you can just run up to them and be like, oh my God, I love you. But also maybe you need them to do a funny video for you and you have to like actually interact with them in a very, like I know just from interviewing and meeting people in a backstage setting versus bumping into someone on the street, like you can't, it's nice to be a fan of someone, but you cannot fan out too much because you also have to like ask them to do things for you. So like, what's it like meeting housewives that way? And are there any ones that have stood out to you good or bad in terms of interactions? Well, for the first year, like I took it really seriously. And I think, you know, as a fan of the shows and everything, yes, it is exciting. And you're like, oh my God, you know, I'm going to be running into Teresa and how fun it would be. But for the first year, I mean, one, I mean, for the whole time I was there, I was like, listen, you're being given, this is me talking to myself. I was like, I'm being given this incredible opportunity. And this is a franchise and an empire that Andy has built. This is Andy's show that he started. It was, you know, it was one day a week and then it moved to five days a week and it became go on to be on for over a decade now at this point. And I was like, listen, this is fun, but I take this seriously too. And I'm here to do a job that I'm being paid to do. And I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to do a really good job and, and not be this fangirl. And I, you know, I remember I said to Andy, I was like, cause he, he joked, he was like, you were like a deer in headlights the first year and you were so shy and you were so quiet. He was like, I was shocked at how quiet you were. And I was like, well, I was like, I took this opportunity really seriously. And I wanted to show you and the producers and everyone that I'm here to do a good job and to grow your numbers. And, you know, then obviously like I, got comfortable and I shook it off a little bit and I started to have a little bit more, I don't want to say that I had more fun, but I wasn't as like, (laughs) you know, serious. It was really great. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of the housewives are exactly like what you see on TV. And I honestly had no negative experiences with anyone there. Like there was no negative, negatives with housewives, negatives with talent, like, you know, they're people, they're humans, but The housewives, I can tell you, they are exactly like they are on TV, in person, for better or for worse. (laughs) I'm I'm thinking of, because you very, I think I actually talked about this when I had Dan Calabrese on with me like a couple of weeks ago. God knows how many weeks ago it was now. We were reminiscing on the fact that we had gone to watch Happens Life thanks to you, because you very kindly sorted me out with tickets when I was in New York in 2019. And it was, I am not joking when I tell you the highlight of the trip and I did a lot of cool shit those 10 days I was in New York so that will tell you how fun it was but Kelly Dodd was the guest that night with Megan McCain and you were there for a good show right and I will say full disclaimer because oh. I've said this on the show before <laughs> like I'm not a Kelly Dodd fan now I understand the conversation around her I agree with 99.9% of that conversation so I'm no, by no means a stan but I think she was a perfect example of the exact same in person yep. as she was on the show. Like I was like, oh, if anything, the show has probably made this person look a little bit better sometimes because some of the, like, and she wasn't like necessarily bad. She was just Kelly Dodd. Like she was exactly how I expected. And it was surreal to see her in her natural habitat, you know, and actually also, because Andy, you know, I think as a viewer, we know the show runs quick and is very immediate, but when you're there, it goes even faster. And watching Andy present a live TV show with an audience and an autocue, and also have to be like, Kelly, can you not say the F word? Kelly, can you? Like, it was truly, I mean, as you say, it was definitely a good show to be at. So I think you're right. The housewives do not, they're not putting it on for anybody. Well, and I think it's funny you bring up Kelly Dodd because I, again, like, yes, obviously it's a nuanced conversation about, you know, things in, in recent times, but one of the things I'll say, like in general, that I love about like a housewife who is completely unfiltered and who doesn't produce themselves, like that's why I think I love a lot of the early seasons, this new seasons of, of Salt Lake City. It's like when a housewife is exactly like they are in person, as they are on TV, they're not overproducing themselves. They're not trying to be something that they're not. That to me is TV gold, whether you love it or hate it or they're problematic or not, like whatever you want to say about it. Yeah, I mean, Kelly was like, you know, she is, yeah, that show was like a perfect example of 
like, I remember there was another show that she was on and someone called in and they were like, oh, how do you feel about like, you know, calling Vicky a pig? And she's like, she's a fucking pig bitch. And she just like, and I like, you sit, you sit backstage and you're like, oh my God, like you just cringe. But then you're like, this is such good TV, but then it's also problematic. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like your, your brain is just overloaded as like producer with like, then your morals kick in, but then you're like, oh, this is so entertaining. It's a journey. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a journey. Because I remember the night we were there, the episode that was airing in OC was the one where they had gone on a girl's trip and Kelly had like bonked Shannon with the the like the little hammer thing when she had the bowl in her head at some wellness center. Uh-huh. And so like just watching like watching Kelly be like, I, I, I don't feel bad that I hit her in the head. Like just like her basically justifying whacking Shannon on the head with a hammer. I was like, Oh, I feel like I'm in an episode of Housewives. Like, this is surreal. Yeah. Like, it was crazy. Oh, my God. Can I tell you a funny story, though, about that same season? I feel like this is a, uh, an audience who will appreciate a housewife story because I don't really have anywhere to talk about them. So, okay, that same season. Do you remember when she said the pig emoji to Vicky? Yes, With I the <laughs> iconic. Now, Shannon and Tamara show it. They're like watching it. That's the scene that you see on TV. So that episode airs. Shannon is on Watch What Happens Live. So we're backstage. Shannon's there. She's talking to like me and like my coworkers because we sit backstage before the show goes on. And she's like, can you believe that she did that? I can't, still can't believe that she sent that or whatever. And I go, and I'm like, that was one of the funniest things I've seen on Housewives in Housewives history. And I say this to Shannon, she flips, she was like, what? You think that was funny? She like flips out, <laughs> flips out. She completely loses it. As if I just said the most offensive thing on the planet. No one backs me up. I'm sitting there looking at my coworkers. And I'm like, back me up here. Like, <laughs> and then so Andy like had to like jump in and he's like, no, 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 Shannon, 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 you have to, you have to remember they only watch what is on TV. They only see what's on TV. They don't know everything else. She was like, I can't believe you think that would you think that that was funny that she wrote and called her a pig with a pig emoji. That's not funny for her to call her a pig. And I was just like, I I'm like, oh my God, that's not what I and I'm like, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. I'm like, it's funny that someone sent up an emote, like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah, because Kelly Dodd had like used the an emoji to turn herself right. into a pig in the video. And it was like and the first sent- time a housewife had gotten in a fight via an an emoji. Like that's why I think it's so entertaining. I'm like, I'm not saying it's funny that she called you a pig. I'm saying it's funny that she screamed at you via an emoji. <laughs> and also it was Kelly had sent that video to Vicky, so it wasn't even a video she'd sent to Shannon. If Shannon was like, can you believe she sent that to me? I think maybe in the room you might go, oh no, yeah. Shannon, that's awful. But it's mm-hmm. like, it's not even sent to you. Oh my God. I mean, and I will also say one of my favorite things that I did after that was we got Vicky to agree to record a tune-in message as the pig and emoji. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I know people don't like Vicky, like a lot of viewers don't like Vicky, but like shout out to Vicky for having a good sense of humor. She was like, oh, I'll do it. She took my phone and she like opened up the pig and emoji and she was like, hey, it's Vicky. Tune in tonight. Watch what happens live. And I'm just like, hell yeah. Like, I love that you have a good sense of humor about that. Are there any other like housewives that would kind of pass through Watch What Happens Live? Because the thing is like, you know, obviously amazing celebrities have been on that show too. But the thing is the housewives... I mean, can be on Watch Happens Live multiple times when a season is airing. So I'm sure you see them quite often when you work there. Yeah. Were there any that, you know, you were always excited to see because either they were fun to be around or because they just would have like a funny moment or just be exactly like they are on the show, as you mentioned? There's definitely like a couple that I had, like I had favorites for because like, so Sonia Morgan from New York, anytime she was there, she knew your name. She remembered you. She came, she stopped by, she sat with you. She came and she asked you how your day was. She, it's like, she knew the people there. And a lot of them are like that. Like they, they remember Dorinda was also like, so the New York girls, they know cause they're there a lot. They really made you feel like a little family a little bit. Like they would sit, they'd ask you how your day was going. Yeah. Like a lot of kind of the OGs who were around a lot were like that, that way too. And so that was always really fun because, you know, it's like they know you're there, you're doing a job. 
they're entertaining they're on tv there was no like uh what's the word like egos i guess some of them don't have the big egos which was always nice and fun and then obviously like i loved when luann would come around um because it was like always like like, that little me yeah (laughs) (laughs) one of the most iconic things you'll appreciate this and people listening will appreciate this do you remember the episode of watch happens live where they surprised jennifer lawrence with luann and bethany i do that's iconic i think if people haven't seen it it's it's probably i mean you used to do the youtube so i'm guessing it's it's on youtube if they wanted to check it out yes so jennifer lawrence huge movie star oscar award winner she's obsessed with the housewives so if i could export this and save it as a movie so i could show all of you i wish that i could backstage after the taping jennifer lawrence sat and i'm in the back of one of the instagram stories that like made it out she sits down on the couch with bethany and luann and luann just tells jennifer lawrence the entire play-by-play of her arrest as if it's like a casual kiki and it was And Jennifer Lawrence is sitting there and she's like grilling, not like grilling her, but she's like, what happened next? And it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Luann De Lesseps telling Jennifer Lawrence the play-by-play of how she got arrested with Bethany Frankel standing right there being like, yes, she was in the fucking clink, like clink, clink. She was in the fucking... Yes, I and can Jennifer see that. Lawrence, that's what Betsy mean, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and my like, and it was so funny because like the last time Jennifer Lawrence was on before that, you know, she's got the security guards that keep her kind of guarded, which I totally get. You know, she's a fucking Oscar award winner. To just see her be sitting there as as like one of us, right? Like just as a fan, it was so funny and so cool, and just oh, it was one of my favorite memories of all time. That oh my god, that visual, as you say, if you could export it, please. Oh pay. my god, I wish they had cameras rolling. It would have been such a good. Uh, Luann De La Seps explains to Jennifer Lawrence how she got arrested in 10 minutes. <laughs> Story time. I can see the YouTube video of that. Oh my God. Literally. Um, it's funny because you mentioned there that obviously, you know, Jennifer Lawrence, an A-list movie star, is a massive fan of Real Housewives. And one of the things I love about Watch Happens Live and when you, was there ever any guests on Watch Happens Live that were like A-listers or well-known people outside of Housewives that you were shocked to find out were actual proper fans? Because I'm sure some celebs go, oh, I watch it sometimes. But like, also, you've had real hardcore fans who are celebs on. Was there ever any that you were like, oh my God, I can't believe you are a Housewives fan? Well, I mean, Jennifer Lawrence being one of them. I'm trying to think if there was like any other big, big, big A-listers that Sarah Paulson, genuine, like Dorinda Stan. But yeah, I think that's pretty much like it. I also like, I know that Rihanna watches Bravo and that was the one thing that I, I hope happens one day because I feel like she's a stan and i want to know what she thinks because she's also really funny so i i think that is something that is like a tbd loading screen of like will i hope that andy can get like the one-on-one with rihanna one day because be iconic she's like the elusive bravo fan yes because rihanna will like randomly like share a photo of her watching Vanderpump rules or Mm -hmm. it'll come out that she's following really specific people from potomac and salt Mm -hmm. lake city and then it comes up at the reunion like yeah, I think you're right. Rihanna's like the last remaining A-list celebrity housewives fan that needs to like, hopefully when things can actually reopen, appear or watch on live virtually or in person. It's funny we mentioned Rihanna. Like, Rihanna is known to be a housewives fan and she's a queen of pop as discussed on Legends Only, which as you mentioned is an iconic podcast. You were always kind of calling people on that show queens of pop, like whether they be actual pop stars or just people that you stan and go, oh my God, queen of pop. But who are some queens of pop that you would maybe like to see on Housewives? Hmm. Interesting question. (laughs) Or even like we're talking fantasy football vibes here where like just a queen of pop you would like, whether they do it or not, it doesn't have like, you're like, wouldn't it be funny if? Well, I I sort of want Trisha Paytas to be on Beverly Hills. Now, again, I know nuanced conversation, problematic, whatever, I get Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. But like, I'm talking like, I love a disruptor, right? Like someone who can go in and just be like, completely shake up, get the girls shook, right? Like, I love a contrasting character that is polarizing in a cast, in a way, if that makes sense. So there's that. Who else would I think would be good on a show. Hmm. I mean, I have one that I am amazed you didn't start with, and I'm going to suggest it and see what you think. But I do think your 
campy, ridiculous fave and sort of mine too, BB Rexa will be iconic on Housewives. Ooh. Like, come on. Can you imagine the stuff she will come out with? Like Jersey. I was going to say, because you always say, yes, yes. Like, I think that would be so funny. Her being like, why didn't you stream Sacrifice, Jennifer? I swear to God, like her beefing with Teresa because she didn't buy her album. Like I could just see oh, BB boom like, my God. so funny. Or Teresa screaming at BB. <laughs> You're a flop. No one bought your song. Yeah. <laughs> my, my daughters wear BB. Yeah, she'd make fun of her name. She wouldn't like know her music. Or it'd be like when she sung along to Dua Lipa and Teresa would be obsessed with her music oh. to the point where it would become awkward. Oh. <laughs> also iconic i know we're chat like this will probably go a little bit after we have the chat so we don't need to get into like neither of us actually i think seen this week's jersey episode but i'm curious what you think of this season so far because i feel like new jersey's like just in general there's a really great rhythm and energy to it there's lots going on because housewives is in an interesting period where i think the shows are still good but they're all adapting to pandemic filming right so it's very yeah. different so harry and particularly because you've kind of come back to watching housewives after maybe you know a very particular time in your life how do you feel about this season in Jersey and like what's what's drawing you in? I am loving the season of Jersey. I also loved Salt Lake City as well as the yes. season of Summer House. And what I love about this season of Jersey, which I think is the perfect recipe for a good reality show, is when you're watching the show, you feel like you're a fly on the wall and what's happening is genuine and is unfiltered. Right. So I think one of the problems that I had with previous seasons of Housewives, I would say maybe like a year, two years, three years ago, and I think I've said this before, is it felt more like a production and not a reality show. Like a lot of it felt filler. A lot of it felt like, okay, we need to fill up 40 minutes. So we're going to film this fake shopping scene. We're going to film this fake scene where someone is, you know, with their family at home doing something at home and it felt out of place. It didn't feel genuine. It didn't feel, you know what I'm saying? Like it felt like filler, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you can totally tell as a viewer, like sometimes those filler scenes can end up being entertaining in a kind of campy way because there'll be something ridiculous. But like there's those moments where they do something that's a bit more, that is a bit off the wall, but you know, came from them. And even if it's a random scene with them with their kids and you go, oh, that's much funnier than, okay, we need five minutes of you making the lunches for your kids and talking about last night's fight or something. Like Mm -hmm. you can totally tell as a viewer, the more you watch, oh, that was like just production filler. Okay, fine. It needs to happen. What's going to happen in the next scene? And I think like even one of the things I said to Andy at one point was, um, I think it was either last season or the season before of Jersey that was only 12 episodes. And it was so good. It was like the one with, Danielle coming back. And I said to him, I'm like, I'm like, this is your formula. A 12 episode season. It's easy to binge. There's no filler. It's just like boom, boom, boom. Just like season one, right? Like season one of Jersey, episode seven is the finale, and Teresa flips the table. Like you get the table flip after six hours, you know? So I think like with New York and OC and Beverly Hills, you got these seasons that were like, 23 24 episodes and you could shave out like six of them and so i i just said to him like listen like you know with as you add more franchises and cities shave it down you know give us like a compact jam-packed 12 episode season that is just wham bam boom cheese plates throwing and then they're you know they're reunited at the end of the episode because i think too like in broader concept like our viewing patterns are different now right like everyone's got 40 shows that they want to keep up with making a a jam-packed like one-two punch like season one of salt lake city I binged that whole thing in two days and then I watched it a second time because it's so short, you know? I'm like, I could sit and binge this whole thing and then watch it a second time? (laughs) Hell yeah, you know? So I do think like, I mean, that's just my personal opinion on like what I would do with the the series and the franchise. But I think that's why I love this season of Jersey is because you're just getting like these unfiltered fights and these arguments. I think you're right about the uh, shorter episodes. It, it, like it's, I think it's something that is just how viewership habits have changed. You mentioned that you said that to Andy, which I think is really interesting because, you know, Andy Cohen is an interesting figure, particularly you know, I think for people outside of the US, because I think we forget sometimes how big the shows are over there. Like he is hosting a talk show. He's still very involved as a producer of all these, you know, reality TV shows. He's doing the reunions and like he's 
in front of the camera and behind the camera effectively. So is he someone who's into that kind of feedback? Can you go to him with stuff and be like, hey, just as a viewer, I've noticed this. Like, it sounds like he's open to it and it's what makes the shows work is that they're they're not too precious about oh, well, we would never say that to Andy. You know, like, it seems like he's open to feedback in some ways. Yeah, he he really is. And I think that's, I mean, I have so much respect for him because, I mean, we could go into like a whole combo about that. But, you know, I it's funny, like, I even low-key feel like I'm the reason that Kelly Dodd got a second season, which now some people might be like, I can't believe you. Well. <laughs> but if you, okay, like, if, if you... Take yourself back to that moment in time, right? That season of one, course, Kelly, yeah. everyone hated her. And I was like, you have to keep her. She is like a match. And she just completely, you know, everything with the fight with Heather Debro, she was like this, you know, firecracker that completely shook up the cast, right? And then I think when she came back for season two, everyone was like, oh, and it really worked, right? And I was like one of the only people that was like, you got to keep Kelly Dodd. You got to keep Kelly Dodd. And so he never said to me, like, you're the reason why we brought her back for a second season, but I let him know. So now obviously, you know, things got different. Um, right. I mean, we're talking five years as well, because she's just done her fifth season on the show. So like, right. wow, it is, it's a completely different time and yeah. how she was perceived. So I totally, like, we're, it's not like you were like, keep her on after she said this about COVID. No, like, no, no, it's no. not that. I mean, we're talking like, as you say, that moment where she, maybe she was on the bubble and you said, as a viewer, I have something to say. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he was always open to feedback because he knew that like those of us working there, we watched the shows and we were entertained by the shows. And so, yeah, that's one of the things I always thought was really cool was just how open he was to feedback. And, you know, sometimes he would just nod and, you know, be like, cool, you know, but he always had open eyes, open ears to what fans were saying, but also what people he knew cared thought too. You mentioned watching Salt Lake City, and I think it's so interesting because on this podcast, I've had people on who have been watching Housewives for for nearly the full 15 years to people who started last June and they've gone down the rabbit hole. And Salt Lake City has caught such an interesting cross-section of the audience because I think for long-time fans, we're like, oh my God, a new city, I'm gagged. I need to have this plays out. And for newer people, it's like, I can start here because as you mentioned, mm -hmm. there's this many episodes and I don't have to go back 12 years. Like, I'm trying to convince people to watch Atlanta and they see 13 seasons and they like, they're, they just, like the color drains in their face. So yeah. what was it about Salt Lake City that works for you? And like, why do you think it caught on with for people? I think you're on to something when you say that it's, you know, it's a fresh start. Um, now I admittedly, so I was still at Watch What Happens when the rumblings of Salt Lake City were going around and then they announced it as a new city before it actually even started taping. Oh, wow. I was like, going back to, you know, giving feedback, I was like, you guys need to be very careful because I've said this on my Britney podcast before. You need to be careful about creating hype before people see something because this is an iconic franchise. And if you hype up something and you haven't even hit roll on the tape yet, it could be like a huge flop and you lose your credibility as like, you know, a hype man, right? Yeah, the trust erodes very quickly. Right. If you're like, oh, we've got this iconic new cast, this iconic new city, and then you start rolling tape and it flops, people aren't going to believe you the next time, which is, you know, another lesson that I learned. But they, I mean, it must have been that they knew they had a, go a good cast to hype it because what's so great about Salt Lake City is one, the length, it's easy to watch. But two, they have a really dynamic, different cast of people that are all such strong personalities. And when they are all together, it's like this eclectic mix where you're like, how the hell are all of you in the same room? <laughs> and apart, you know what I'm saying? And it just is like phenomenal to watch, like the dynamics between everyone yeah it's interesting one of my my best friend Lindsay, who is not a housewives person at all she's like oh i think i might check out this salt lake city thing and i was like i i thought she was lying i'm like i'm like there's no way she's gonna watch this thing it's housewives has been on for 10 years she doesn't watch it and last night she's like i am obsessed with this salt lake city thing and i was like really and she's like it is so funny and entertaining and so i thought that was so telling because someone who has literally not watched housewives 
in a decade jumped in and was like fascinated. And I do think it's it's the character dynamics of like the ridiculousness of like Jen Shah is, you know, she's like a mix of like, you could tell she's trying to be Kim Kardashian, but there's like, I mean, well, we know more now, obviously, after the news of this past week. But like, I always thought, I was like, there's a, there's something here. I don't know what it is, but like, she's trying to be a Kim Kardashian and it doesn't add up and I couldn't put my finger on it. And, <laughs> and now the FBI have put their finger on it. <laughs> now we know. <laughs> the feds put yeah. their finger on it. Also too, the setting of Salt Lake City. I mean, that's something as well when I try and sell Housewives to people like friends that I want to watch it. I'll be like, yeah, you should watch that city. And then this city, like I know you think, oh, they're all the same show, but like the setting means so much. And particularly when you watch Salt Lake City, like it's snowing and they live in like kind of chalet, like they're massive houses, but they're like kind of chalet style ski looking places. They go skiing. Half of them may or uh-huh. may not be Mormons. Like it just visually is so, it's distinct, right? You would not mistake it for another one of the housewife cities. And I will also say too, I think one of the things that I, I felt at the beginning when I started it and maybe this is me admitting that I was a little ignorant, but I was expecting, and I don't know why, but I, I thought that the women would be like more conservative than they they were. And I don't know why I felt that, but I was like, uh-oh, you know, are they going to be... Because, you know, like Housewives is a very like gay thing. Like there's a lot of gays that watch there Housewives are, there are a few, and yeah. <laughs> whatnot. And so I was like, you know, is it going to be like, what are they going to be like? And so to see how like progressive like Heather was and Whitney, there was almost like a surprise to it where I was like, oh, I was wrong in my assumption about this, and maybe other people were too, but there was a little bit of a surprise I felt when I watched it that was also really nice. For sure, because I remember when it was announced, as you mentioned earlier, when it was first announced, I remember everyone was like, well, they're all going to be Mormons, and Mormons can't drink, so like, how are you going to have a housewife show if they don't drink? And I was like, well, there have been sober housewives, but anyway, but like you realize, oh, actually, no, they cast people from a bunch of different religious backgrounds and they cast people who have this relationship to the Mormon church and this. So, like, it definitely kind of challenged expectations in a great way. I mean, I'm just so excited for season two. God only knows. Because now they have the arrest of Jen Shah, which they apparently seem to have been able to film around. So, like... Oh, my God, she's a glam. (laughs) Like she was in glam, then she ran off because she probably got worried she was about to be arrested. And then the rest of them, I just, I cannot tell you personally, the first person I thought of when they said that the women were filmed reacting to the news and being talked, talking to the cops about it. I cannot wait to watch Lisa Barlow try and put two and two together on camera. Like I will, I will pay a premium to see that footage early if I can. I hope they run it unedited. Yeah, like the raw footage. Like, just shows what actually happened. Straight up raw take. Like, no joke. Because sometimes that's, like, the most entertaining. I've seen some raw takes before, I will say. And, like, sometimes it's just better. And when you say a raw take, do you mean just, like, them reacting in real time and they don't edit around it too much? Or, like, maybe... Because sometimes they'll relay something to us that they've heard already. Is it just them hearing something for the first time? in person on camera so a raw cut is when you have just the cameras rolling and there's usually like four or five cameras and you see so like it's almost like a kind of like a zoom grid kind of so you see all the angles of a, of a moment in time right and you you get the footage so you see it from every angle so it's before it's um you know mixed down where like i saw when um margaret got her ponytail pulled so when that happened Andy showed me the raw take like two days later and it was just the grid. So you see like what the producers see where you see the the moment oh happening, God. but you see ev- every camera that's rolling at that same time and they're all synced up. So it looks like a security <laughs> camera <laughs> yes. basically. And then what they do is, you know, then they take it together and then they put it into what the show is, right? So I think it would, I mean, they should just do a, like just roll the moment, just the hour, six or not 40, 44 minutes or whatever it is, just 44 minutes just roll the tape don't add the music don't (laughs) i'm imagining because you're talking about the jersey like ponytail danielle margaret thing which was so like was really shocking to watch even in its final form like i can't imagine watching like that over four or five cameras like i would be shook it also reminds me of the moment do you remember the cold open where 
Heather Thompson was screaming at Sonia in her foyer. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> that is another iconic moment where they just like rolled it. It was like one of the best cold opens, which you can't watch the cold. They There was a different version that aired on TV. If anyone watched it, they rolled it out of the previous episode and it was just Heather Thompson screaming. And it was like the camera was just outside her townhouse. You didn't even see it happening and you just hear the audio and it was so entertaining. I have some key questions I ask everybody. I just feel like you're going to deliver on these. I don't have any doubt in my mind. The first is you get the call. They say, all right, T-Call, it's your moment. You're going to be on Real Housewives. And you think, bitch, I'm ready. Let me add it. What is your tagline going to be and why? Oh my God. Well, I think, I think I still like mine, but it doesn't really like apply. Well, it kind of applies. Um, I may be shy, but fuck with this fire crotch and you're going to get burned. <laughs> no fire crotch. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Which was like a play on like what people used to make fun of me as a kid. Like that's what people used, they used to like call me like the F word, obviously, Oh, I guess it's two F words. It's like a play on like what kids used to call me as a kid. Um, but yeah, that would be, and because I have red hair, so I'd obviously have to, you know, how the housewives always allude to something that's like a personality trait. Well, it's not a personality, a look. It's or something whatever. you're known for, or something people would notice you for. And then, mm-hmm. of course, I feel like too because you've like had so much go on in your life the last years with like, your professional life, you could probably like, each season you're on Housewives, you could update your tagline. Like maybe one tagline will be would include the term "Watch what happens," another will be like, "And now I've got a new chapter." Like there's so much potential there. Like how Melissa Gorga's like, "You're green with envy," and it's like, <laughs> "Oh, I love how some of them are just like." grasping for a tagline and some of them it just comes so naturally that you can tell the ones who are like oh Mm -hmm. I'll just talk about this where some of them are like I'm attractive and I have a clothing boutique Um, let's just do one about that the other question I'd love to ask is you're throwing a dinner party tomorrow you can invite five people from the shows be it housewives friends of husbands side characters just people from the universe of housewives who are you inviting and why? Ooh, can it be anything from Bravo? Yeah, let's let's widen the open it all up. Why not? Okay, um, I would invite Portia Williams because she's so fucking funny. So if all goes to hell, I would just be able to hang out with Portia, Luann, Dale Seps from New York, Lindsay Hubbard from Summer House. Who? Uh, five people. Okay, we need two more. Do we need men? I don't know. No men involved. Girls night. Oh my gosh, there's so many people to choose from. I feel mm, maybe Teresa from Jersey, but I also like Margaret. And I would want like Dolores there too. Portia, Lindsay Hubbard, Luann. See, now my producer brain's going off because I'm like, who would who would mesh well with who would be the friend of this one? That would be who do we need to add to make Lindsay Hubbard feel comfortable? <laughs> I mean, Sonia, I feel like Sonia and Portia would be so much fun together to hang out with. I'll throw Sonia in there. And Teresa. She's quintessential Jersey, flaws and all. She is Jersey. I feel like that would be a very energetic dinner. (laughs) That's a lovely, like, polite way. I feel like this dinner would be very... Chaotic. (laughs) Energetic. (laughs) Yeah. I love to ask people this because sometimes I've got people on who are like, they rewatch stuff or they're about to start a new city or whatever. Like for you as someone who's seen a lot of like pretty much every Housewives up to a point and took a break, is there something you have next on your Housewives journey of a season you missed or show you want to go and rewatch or an early season you want to relive? Like, do you have any Housewives planned on your viewing schedule? I do. So I think next up, I want to rewatch New York. It's been a while. A little bit of a revisit of like seasons one, two, three. Because I've definitely done like a full season rewatch of Jersey. So I was like, oh, you know, I've done bits and pieces going back to New York, but I've never done a like, let's start from episode one, season one, go through the season. So I think that might be next on my list. And before we finish up, where can people find you online? And can you tell me a little bit more about Legends Only, which is a podcast I love, but let's let's tell more people about it. Thank you. Yeah, so every week, uh, me and my co-host, Bradley Stern, we hop on, we discuss the happenings in pop culture, in music, what our fave is doing, Britney. And something that we've started doing this month is doing a monthly deep dive into an old album where we go back and we talk about and we revisit an album or an era that 
was defining in pop culture that meant a lot to us. That's, yeah, every single week. You know, sometimes we talk about pop culture, sometimes we talk about life stuff, and it's been a journey with the pandemic, but yeah, that's Legends Only. You mentioned that you talk about Britney on Legends Only, and obviously I feel like after Framing Britney Spears came out, there's and in the last year, there's been this real interest in some people who about Britney who maybe were fans in a casual way or don't know maybe the full tea. And we should mention that you have a podcast with Brad as well called It's Britney Bitch, which is a 20-year... Well, there's it's 20 years, but there's more than 20 episodes because you kind of go off in different directions. Like, it's a look back at her whole career. And I do think it's a show worth checking out for people who are maybe new to Britney because it's inter- entertaining and funny, but also very insightful. Like, have you noticed more people are going to the Britney podcast now because there is this kind of... I guess, changing conversation about her? I have. I mean, it's still definitely very active, even though we haven't, you know, it's been done now for like two years. What I love so much about the Britney podcast that we have is like, even if you're not a Britney fan, one, I think you'll learn a lot about her career and like really get to discover her music and all the things that we talk about. The podcast is more of, to me, is honestly like our friendship and like our two worldviews growing up in sort of the lens of pop culture. And I think if you are someone who is in your 30s or younger or older, listening to it, it's like there's so many different things. And if you love music, and I know you probably feel the same way, certain albums and songs connect with you at a certain moment in your life, or they bring back a certain memory of high school or the first time you got a car or heartbreak or something, you know? And so we go through that our lives as like coming out gay kids growing up and then entering into our adult life. And it's all through the rose colored glasses of Brittany. And it to me is like almost like a diary, dear diary, if you will. It's been cool, really cool and interesting as she would say. I was gonna say, because Brittany was like, it was um, like really cool and um, pretty cool. Interesting, yeah, and it was just like really cool. Before we go as well, if people want to find you on social media, and like, I know you do talk about housewives and stuff now on social media too again, where can we find you? So I am on Twitter at tkylemack and then Instagram t.kyle. On Instagram, I think people need to check out your Instagram if they don't already because I feel like I get to see so much of Central Park because you're someone who's going on walks at the moment and you're like exploring nature. I'm just like, oh my God, I feel like I get this gorgeous nature diary of New York that I would never get otherwise. I am fully living my bird lady fantasy era (laughs) because I know that it's not going to last forever. That's, I'm just like, you know what, let's try and find the silver lining here. Okay, listen, Tegal, it has been, you have been someone I wanted to have in the show before it was even a thing that I was actually doing. So I am so glad that we finally got to sit down and have a housewife's kiki on the show today. Thank you for having me. And I can't wait to visit Ireland one day. Thank you. Well, thank you for coming on. And I was actually going to say, speaking of Real Houses OC and Kelly Dodd, like if you ever came here and you were ever in Dublin, I literally could take you on a walking tour of all the parts of Dublin they had their iconic fights in and where they got kicked out of. Like we could do, it would take an hour at max, but we, if you ever come oh, here. I, <laughs> I no, I really want to come there because my family lineage is Irish. So like my last name I don't know where. I mean, I'm going to have to pull a Megan King Edmonds when I come <laughs> and start like walking from bar to bar and be like, does anyone know Mac Mahan? It's McMahon. Like McMahon is how they would say it here. McMahon. Oh, it is? Yeah. If you say McMahon. Yeah, that's like a, a cultural thing. We would say like McMahon. You wouldn't say McMahon. So that's it. Even with the M, the M-A-C? Yeah, it's kind of like a silent. It's hard to explain. But it would be like McMahon. Yeah, McMahon. Like it's... It's like kind of a little bit quicker, but it's also just our accents as well. Wow. I've been lied to my whole life. (laughs) But I guess to be fair, if you were like, you know, from like Irish heritage and grew up in the US, you would say like even the name Gallagher, I would say very differently to someone from the UK. Like they talk about, you know, the Oasis, the famous UK band, like they're the Gallagher brothers. But people in the UK are like the Gallaghers. I'm like, no, 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 no. Anyway, when you come to Ireland. McMahon. McMahon. When you come to Ireland, I will coach you on the Real Housewives of OC walking tour, and we will we will find your long lost relatives. It'll be it'll be a spin off on Bravo TV. No wonder why her daughter doesn't talk to her. <laughs> little little McMahon. <laughs> 
that moment in OC, I literally tagged you in this about a year ago. I was on a walk in Dublin, in Temple Bar, where they filmed that. And I walked that building that still has that graffiti on that shop uh, building there. And I walked by and I was literally like, T. Kyle has made a gif of that very building. I have to tag him in this. I was like, look where I am. (laughs) I'll just tell everyone I'm an Irish girl from New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Okay, well, listen, thank you very much for coming on the pod. And I'm very excited to um, bring you around Dublin and show you the Real Housewives sites. Yeah, see you in like, what, two years? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. See you when we can (laughs) see you when we can fly again. (laughs) I know it'll be season 40 of Salt Lake City. That was T. Kyle on Housewives and Me. He's planning his Dublin visit. He's going to make it happen. He's coming over. He is going to get the real Housewives of Orange County walking tour, courtesy of yours truly. (laughs) Uh, That was so much fun. I am so glad that I finally got to have a chat with Kyle for the podcast. As I mentioned in the show, I was hoping to have him on the podcast even before it was fully a thing in my head. He was on my list of people to talk to. And so much of his gifts and then videos, etc. have been... A part of my fan journey with Housewives, so this felt very full circle. It was so fun to have that chat. As we discussed, he is the co-host of two podcasts, It's Britney Bitch and Legends Only. You should definitely check them out if you enjoyed today's episode. And also, if you enjoyed today's episode and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, a rating or a review will be so nice. I've only just recently realised I can't see the ones from the UK and the US. Like, I use this website that tells me, oh, someone in the US just left a review. So I'm only seeing the ones in Ireland, but they alone have been very nice. So thank you to everybody who's left a rating or review. And of course, if it's your first time listening or you want to tell a friend about the show, we have new episodes dropping every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you so much to everybody who has been supporting the show over the last little while. All right, that is this week's episode done. I will see you next week for more amazing chats. Until then, stay safe. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.